0: to the heart of the matter, what am I referring to? I am referring to that all-important matter of your heart and my heart before God. Well, here you see in this passage of Scripture, our Lord is setting before us the true state of the heart of each and every one of us. And what I want to do is I want to frame or construct this sermon around this idea, around this one central truth, that the heart of every one of us here this morning is a fountain of wickedness and iniquity. It is the source and spring of all the sins that you and I commit. And what our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us in this passage of Scripture is this. It is not that outside of us which causes us to sin. It's much deeper than that. It's that which is within us which causes us to sin. And our Lord is going to give to us, if I can say it this way, He's going to give to us a diagnosis of the human heart. And whether you are comfortable with this thought or not, the diagnosis that our Lord Jesus Christ gives is true of each and every one of us here this morning. That your heart and my heart by nature is again the source and the root of all the corruption that flows from us. Every wicked thought, every wicked motive, Every evil deed, it's not that which is crashing on us from, from without, but it's that which finds its root and its source within us. And that's the very issue that our Lord is making. We cannot divorce what we're going to learn today from what we learned last week. Last week was all about what happened to you from the outside. That's what defiled you. That's why you had to wash your hands in a certain way. That's why you had to go through all the ritual cleaning. Because it was that which you came in contact with from without that defiled you, and our Lord says, "No, that's not it. The issue is much deeper, and the issue lays at the root of the heart." And so, again, what I what I want to set before you, as I said before, is this great, is this very, very important truth that which is that at the heart, the heart of every person is a fountain of sin. And again, this is very important for us to understand because we know that when it's all said and done, nobody. Nobody really, well, well, how should I say this? Nobody fails to understand that when it's all said and done, our standing before God is a matter of the heart, is it not? I, 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 I rejoice that each and every one of you are here this morning. But the fact that each and every one of you are here this morning really isn't the heart of the matter, is it? It's important. It's vital. By way of your expression of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, you come to worship His holy name but everything that we see in the scripture over and over again reminds us that we can do these things on a daily basis <clears throat> and our heart could be far from God. And so what our Lord Jesus Christ is going to deal with us here this morning is this whole matter of the heart. And so again, I'll set this before you. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to work this passage of scripture along three primary points. Again, the, 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 the primary doctrine or principle principle is that the heart of man, the heart of every one of us, is a wellspring of iniquity. But the way we're going to work the passage is along the three lines. Number one, we're going to consider this parable and our Lord Jesus' call for those who hear him to understand. And What I want to set before you this morning is that it's vital that you and I hear and understand the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll develop this as we go on. The second thing we're going to see in this passage of Scripture is a request of the disciples to explain the parable. So we're going to have the parable and the call to understand. Then we're going to have the parable and a request for our Lord Jesus Christ to explain it. And we'll see the explanation that he gives. And then thirdly, what I want to do is thirdly, I want to apply this passage of scripture. I want to apply this parable to your life and to my life. I want you and me to understand that if this is the condition of our heart, what kind of a situation are we in? If this is truly the condition of our heart how we need not only a physician of the soul we need a savior of the soul and i will set before you the lord jesus christ as that very savior and so again i just want inter- to again i just want to spend a little bit more time with this introduction and i want to ask you the question how does how do you, how does that truth settle in your thinking when i say to you that the heart or when you read that the lord jesus christ says that the heart is a fountain of iniquity Does that resonate with you? Are you offended at that? Do you think, well, maybe that was true of of, of then, but maybe not now? Are you under the impression that in some way, shape, or form that the heart is essentially good? You see, this is something that our Lord Jesus Christ will not allow, will he? He will not allow us to operate under this false assumption that really the, the issue with the world isn't me. The issue with the world is the world itself. And I wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for this and it wasn't for that. And you see again here, our Lord Jesus Christ will not allow this type of thinking. Now, many, again, would would take serious issue with this. Many would would dismiss Jesus right out of hand. But I'm saying to you, if you've ever felt the weight of your sin, you know that your sin is bound up more than just in external actions. You know that the real issue lies deeper than that. And you, know, and you know that when our Lord Jesus Christ makes this diagnosis of the heart, he's making a true diagnosis. And so I hope that by way of the work of the Spirit of God, you will come to see this and to understand this. I hope by way of the work of the Spirit of God, you will come to rest and trust in the one who promises to give a new heart. You see, this may be our condition naturally. This may be what we bring to the game, so to speak. But when it's all said and done, the Lord Jesus Christ promises to give a new heart. And so again, I hope to set this all before you in this passage of scripture. So again, the first thing I want you to see here in verses 14 through 16 is the parable and the call to understand. Notice again, verses 14 through 16. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But those things which come out of him, those are the things that defile the man. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. A few things I want you to be aware of here. Again, as we said, we interacted with this passage of Scripture last week. You know that last week you had an official delegation from Jerusalem that came down, and they were once again examining the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, They were doing this not just by way of, hey, let's go hear hear uh, uh, this very popular preacher preach. That's not what they were doing. They were coming down from Jerusalem They were under, again, we would say uh, uh, there was a sense in which they had an official capacity and they were there to make evaluation of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were there to pass judgment on on his preaching and on his teaching. And what they saw by way of observation is that the Lord Jesus Christ was allowing for individuals to partake of food without going through a ritual cleansing. And one commentator, and I thought this was very interesting to note last week, I'll bring it out again. One commentator was saying that this was probably all revolving around his recent miracle, the feeding of the 6,000. That in the feeding of the 6,000, there was a great miracle. And by way of the intention of the religious leaders, what they were going to do is they were going to discredit that miracle. How? They couldn't discredit it by saying it didn't take place. Too many of them ate And so what they would do is they would discredit it by way of saying, look, you're allowing these ones to eat with unwashed hands. They are transgressing the the tradition of the elders. And as such, you're teaching them wrong. It was an attempt, once again, to discredit the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, again, what the Pharisees were doing over and over. But anyway, we see that that's in the background here. And when our Lord was uh, speaking with the, uh, uh, the religious leaders in, uh, in last week's sermon, the thing that we saw there was he exposed their hypocrisy. Remember we said that. The, the very fact that he, uh, that they were, uh, again, making all this issue about what the tradition said and didn't say. And our Lord was showing very clear that this tradition really had nothing to do with the teaching of God. This was something that found its origin within, within the heart of man. It was the tradition of the elders. It wasn't the teaching of Moses. And so our Lord was exposing them. And he exposed their hypocrisy. You remember when he said, you allow by way of your tradition, a man to, to overlook or to neglect his duty to his parents by way of your traditions, thereby making the command of God of none effect. And so as I said before, the Lord Jesus Christ was, if I can say it this way, he was blowing all that up. And so last week he was dealing with the religious leaders. Now this week, it's a little different. Now this week he's going to speak to all those who were there and that's why he says here in verse 14 and when he had called all the people unto him you see now it's not just dealing with their with the religious hypocrites now he wants all the people to hear and again he's going to continue to unmask unmask the the, uh, the religious leaders he's going to continue again to to show that what they are saying really doesn't strike at the heart of the matter and that's why he gets into this whole thing when he says this, as he goes on. Hearken unto me, every one of you. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But those things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. What all is saying is very clearly is this. Listen, just because you don't wash your hands in a certain way, and he wasn't talking about the hygiene. He was talking about, again, the ritual cleansing that the, that the religious leaders had set up. And again, he's saying, none of these things from without are going to defile you. The matter, the issue is much deeper than that. But I also think it's interesting here that when we, when we see the Lord, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's purposely calling people to hear. Can I say this to you? Do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to hear him speak to you? Do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to hear him speak to you and that he speaks to you through his word? You know that every time you take up the Bible in your hand and read it and give heed to it and give attention to it, it's the Lord Jesus Christ who's speaking to you. When you come to hear when you come to hear a sermon on a Sunday, you don't come to hear stories from a man. You come to hear an exposition of the word of God. And the idea that our Lord Jesus Christ is saying here, once again, notice it here. Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. That's the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to us today. He's saying hearken unto the word as it's being preached. And understand it. You know, there's a sense in which the Lord Jesus Christ is pressing upon you and I, the responsibility not only to hear, but the responsibility to understand as well. He takes issue, he will take issue in verse 18 with his his disciples, with the apostles, when they don't understand. He gives them a mild rebuke. He says, are you also without understanding? Have you been with me so long? Shouldn't you be understanding these things by now? The Lord Jesus Christ expects you and I to understand his word. He expects you and I to hear his word. He expects you and I to give ourselves over to it. He takes pre- He takes uh, steps in order that you and I might understand. He speaks in one place in the gospel account, and he says this, do you understand the things I'm saying to you? The Lord Jesus Christ wants you to understand his word. And you'll never understand his word, my brothers and sisters, if you don't take it up. Well, oh, please take up the word of God. Make it a part of your daily life. Wake up with it in the morning. There's a love letter waiting for you. On these pages, the Lord Jesus Christ will speak to you out of His Word. And so you see our Lord Jesus Christ calling the people. And there's a sense in which I also want you to see and understand this what He's saying here. He wants everybody to hear. He wants everybody to hear where the true heart of the matter lies. It lies with the corrupted heart. But there's a physician who makes Himself available to you and me. And all this physician knows how to deal with sin. He knows how to deal with a sin sick heart and he does it by way of offering himself himself to you and to me. And we'll get to that. We'll open this up. But again, our Lord Jesus Christ here is is calling uh, for a listening, calling for an understanding. And so this is again, our Lord is calling them to understand the parable. Now notice again what we we have uh, uh, here. Again, we have the introduction of the the concept of the parable in verse 17. And when he was entered into the house from, from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Now, this is interesting because, as I said before, most of the time, whenever we think of the word parable, in our mind, we think immediately of a story. Again, that very you know that kind of classic definition of a parable a parable is a, is, a, is, a, is a is an earthly story intended i'm sorry a parable yes is an earthly story intended to convey a spiritual truth and we think all we think immediately of a story well, in this passage of scripture, there is no story, but there is a saying of our Lord Jesus Christ that and this is what parables do that depending on the nature of the heart is going to condition how a person responds to what was said you see in this saying our Lord Jesus Christ as I said before is getting at the heart the root of the matter and the and the, and the parable is given in this form again verse 15 nothing from without a man entering into him can defile him but those things which come out of him those are they which defile the man now he doesn't give any explanation of the heart and there's where the parabolic nature is and so if somebody is listening then they might think, well, what's, what, what, what does he mean here? But if people know and understand the, the depravity of their own heart, they'll pick up immediately what our Lord is saying here. If somebody is self-righteous and thinks, there's nothing from within. No, the, the problem's not here. I'm sorry. The problem's somewhere else. And again, the parable then becomes that tipping point in the life of an individual as to whether or not the heart a heart is open to the things of God or the heart is closed to the things of God. And if the heart is open to the things of God, it's a sign that God is working in the heart. And so he says this parable, and by way of this parable, now, there will be some who will reject what he is saying, and there will be some who will receive what he's saying. It's, it's a difficult thing for me to have to say. But I know that in the day and age in which we live, this idea that the human heart is fundamentally wicked is not something that's accepted in the world in which we live today. People will warn you, you know, if you tell people they're evil and they're wicked, don't be surprised if they act evilly and wickedly. And again, well, how do we respond to that? We have to respond in the way the scripture does. We have to make sure that that's not the only thing we say about the human heart. Yes, that's the condition of the human heart, but there's a remedy for the, for the condition of the human heart. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not leaving, individuals in, we're not leaving in the individuals in misery. There's no preaching of the gospel doing that. But there can be no preaching of the gospel until the individual understands the depth of the depravity of his own heart. And that's why our Lord Jesus Christ sets us forth in a way that causes people to interact and say, well, how am I going to respond to this? You see, again, he was up against the backdrop of a, of a system of religion that had it all in the externals. You know, you were, you were good or you were bad, depending on what you did or what, what was happening on the external. And so our Lord, as I said before, he gets to the heart of the matter. And so what I want you to see then is our first point, as I said, the parable and the call to listen and to understand. Now I want you to see the parable and a request to explain it. Look at verses 17 through 23. And here we see the following. And when he was entered into the house from the from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are you also without understanding? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. And he saith unto them, That which cometh out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. And we'll get into the list of sins that he has here. But the next thing I want you to see here is, again, this uh, this request to explain. Again, this is uh, this is something that we see over and over again. The desire to know, uh, again, what our Lord was teaching. This desire to know uh, the, the things of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we see the disciples asking this in other places as well. But the reason why they're asking is because of their, again, their their spiritual dullness. Sadly, we have to say this. They too were still laboring under the idea that defilement did come from without. Isn't it interesting here that most, uh, uh, again, if we go to, if we go to um, Matthew, I believe uh, this question is put in the mouth of Peter, uh, asking the Lord to explain uh, the parable. And isn't it something that we go even in the book of uh, Acts in and, and chapter 10, Uh, Peter still was showing that reluctance uh, by way of thinking that there were unclean things and there were things that Peter just shouldn't be associated with, forgetting what our Lord was teaching here. But let's just put that aside for for, for the moment right now. And what I want you to see here is once again, as I was saying before, uh, this idea that now the parable is being explained and the way it's being explained is our Lord is, as I said before, revealing the nature of the heart. Here we see again that the issue is not with what's happening on the outside. The issue is rather what's happening on the inside. And this brings us to the biblical view of the nature of the man. uh, I'm sorry, the biblical view of the nature of man and the nature of the human heart. You see, we see in so many places in the scripture these designations for the heart that are not at all complementary. We see again from Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, that the heart is, 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 is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. We see again this idea that the heart is, is really that which needs to be addressed by way of the gospel. And it is addressed by way of the gospel. And so when we begin to see and understand when our Lord says, listen, if something comes into the body, it's not affecting the heart. But rather the heart, again, is that which has to be addressed. So there's the parable just briefly explained. But our Lord at this point introduces the concept of the heart, this very, very central idea of personhood in the Bible, which is connected to the concept of the heart. Now, the word heart is just found all over the place in the scripture, if I can say it that way. It's used about a thousand times in the word of God. And what's interesting, it's used in a various various number of ways, Uh, rarely. But sometimes, but rarely it to the, it refers to the to the human organ of, of the heart, but most of the, for, the, for the most part, what the heart refers to, it refers to those faculties of the soul whereby the individual wills, whereby he expresses emotion, whereby he engages his intellect, and in a very real way, the word "heart" does represent the whole person. Let me give you some. Uh, some um, some information on, on these things when we when we consider uh, the the concept of the heart. Now again, uh, the heart. Uh, what we have here the uh, the heart is the is the central core of an individual's being and personality. It is the deep seated element of a person that provides both the energy and the drive for all of his faculties. It denotes the governing center of life. And so, in a sense, when we talk about something being the heart of the matter, we're getting pretty close to what we mean. It's the center. But what's interesting here is that in our day, we've, we've kind of located the word heart or we've made a parallel of the word heart with the idea of our human emotions. And really, that's not really the primary emphasis at all when it comes to the heart in Scripture. The heart in scripture is really dealing with the intellectual part of who and what you and I are. It's dealing with the aspect of the will of who and what you and I are. It's dealing with all those things that, that, make, us, uh, that make us who and what we are. And so again, it's not to be just restricted or to be limited to the emotional part of who we are. Now, when we, when we take a look at this, oftentimes the, the word heart can be used as a synonym for the mind or the, for the will and for the conscience as well. And this is why, when the Lord Jesus Christ preached and why He taught, He preached to the heart. And the issue that He was trying to get at was the heart. And that's why we see in the Scripture again in, in Proverbs, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, Solomon is saying, "My son, give me, give me thy heart." It's the heart that God longs for. And this is why, again, we don't get caught up in, in merely in mere externals. That's why, again, the washing of hands or the the observance of religious tradition. And even, let me say this, and I say this with caution because I don't want you to misunderstand me. Your attendance at the worship, upon the worship of God is vitally important. But your body, we said this last week, your body can be here, but your heart can be a thousand miles away. And what God wants is the heart engaged in all these things. And so what we see here again is when our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about the heart, He again is speaking about the heart of the matter. Now, the reason why when, when the Word of God is being opened up It's being opened up in a way to deal with the heart or to affect the heart. And the way that the heart is affected by way of the totality of the person is, in a very real way, through the rationality of the mind. It is, in a very real way, an attempt to move the will. It is an attempt, again, to have the whole person now conform to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't this what the Apostle Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12? The renewing of the mind. This idea that the whole person is now under the lordship of the scripture of, of the Lord Jesus Christ through His Word, and so again, to preach to the heart is to preach to the whole man. The heart, as I said before, is the moral, the spiritual, and the inner and, and the intellectual life of the person. And so here is our Lord Jesus Christ, and He is speaking concerning the nature of the heart. So here we have. The the, the the parable and the command to hear and the parable now and the request to have it explained. But there's one more thing that I that we need to point out here. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ is not only explaining the condition of the heart, he's proving the condition of the heart as well. And notice what we see here in verses 21 and following. Notice how he says here in verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of men, Proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Well, here's one of the most extensive lists of sins that we have in the Word of God. I think in Romans chapter 1, there's, I think, 21 sins that are listed. This is a very thorough list. And what we're seeing is that the common denominator for each and every one of these sins is the human heart. And that's why I said before that the human heart is a wellspring of iniquity. That the human heart is, a, is, is the source and the root of all the, of all the, uh, of all the wickedness uh, that we see in this world. It's not, again, from, without, from outside of us. Although we are sometimes uh, kind of impacted by, by the evil of other individuals, that's not the root of the matter. The root of the matter is with us. And so look at this list of sins that our Lord Jesus Christ gives. Isn't it interesting here? Yeah, look at verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts. The first sin that is mentioned, the first category of sin that is mentioned is mental. And this is where we see, as I said before, this is where the heart is so important. This is where in the secrecy of the heart of who and what you and I are is vital. That's why we have to keep our heart. Guard your heart. Keep it with all diligence. Why? Because the heart, if, again, it centers on those things which is inclined to, it will only be a matter of time before that which is thought of becomes that which is acted upon. And so, brothers and sisters, please understand the, the, the primacy of the intellect Please, please understand the primacy of the heart as it manifests itself within the intellect. Because we see, again, the first sin that is mentioned here, the first category, is an intellectual category. It isn't in the things that I do, it's in the things that I think. This is why the Apostle Paul, again, bemoans his, his own condition, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And so, again, this idea of an evil thought, Well, what are these evil thoughts? Why would they suggest this to you? That the evil thoughts are all those thoughts, all those wicked and evil thoughts that man has toward God, that man has towards his neighbor. And are you ready for this? That man even sometimes has towards himself. And again, I want to be careful here. I don't want to get too, if I can say it this way, too psychological. But you ever notice how people engage these destructive thoughts to themselves? People want to hurt themselves. People who know what they're doing brings nothing but disaster and they do it anyway. It's, why is that? Sometimes we look at that and we say, what's wrong with that guy's mind? And what we should be saying is that's the manifestation of an evil heart. And if it weren't for the grace of God, we would be in the same condition. So when we talk about this, these evil thoughts, again, it's the first category that our Lord Jesus Christ mentions then he gets into the more graphic aspects of the sins that we see that we're familiar with. Again, verses uh, 21 and following. Adulteries, fornications, of course, these are, these are sexual transgressions. These are, again, adulteries that elicit that relationship uh, with, uh, with, with somebody that's married. Uh, fornication, the, the, the whole concept of, of, of sex before marriage. Again, there's, there's, only one, there's only one condition in which God has, has, has given uh, the blessing his blessing upon by way of uh, human uh, se- sexual activity. And that's within the bounds of marriage. Anything outside of that is wrong. Anything outside of that is a sin. And we see our Lord Jesus Christ is focusing on that. That's not something that we can just move away from. That's not something that we can say, well, we're, we're, we're beyond that now. And we understand things different. No, our Lord will not let us do that. And so again, these adulteries, these fornications, look here again, murders. What are these murders? This murder is the actual act of murder, and then anything that, anything that, would, uh, that would be the root and source of it, this hatred, this malice that we have. Murders, thefts. The idea here now of theft is kind of interesting because the concept here of thefts is, uh, is that idea of taking something from somebody, not by force, but by deceit. Covetousness, wickedness. Deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye. We don't use that terminology too much now, but the evil eye has, that, has to do with that which is, which is desired by way of covet, uh, coveting and envy. Desiring that which isn't yours. Scheming against an individual to take that which is his. Blasphemy. The word blasphemy is normally used in regard to God. We, we, we think about those individuals who blaspheme God. But blasphemy can also be it can also uh, sadly uh, occur when we, when we speak evil one of another. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've seen one person, to use the, the, the terminology, they, they went up one side of that person and down the other. They called him every name in the book. Or maybe behind their back they said horrible things about him. There's a sense in which that reviling and that railing upon is included in this. Pride, again, the root sin. Pride, the root of all evil. Again, pride of the individual thinking, seeing himself as as being above others. Again, you know how in the scriptures we are called over and over again to esteem others better than ourselves. Well, What does pride do? Pride esteems me better than you. And I'll let you know about it as well. You see this sin of pride. And then we have the last sin that is mentioned, foolishness. It is very interesting that The list starts with evil thoughts and it ends with foolish thoughts. Why are we bringing this out? Because you see, the mind is so important in the concept of the heart. I heard, I've listened listened and read a number of men who have pointed out that when you look at the word heart in the Old Testament, about 75% of the time it refers to the mind. We we can't restrict it to that. But there is a heavy uh, kind of weightedness uh, toward this intellectual aspect of what the heart is. It's not primarily the emotions. It's not the void of the emotions, but it's not primarily the emotions. It's the mind. It's the intellect. It's the moral and spiritual center of who and what a person is. What a diagnosis of the human heart. What a description of the human heart. And as I said before, there are many in our day who, while most in our day would probably not say anything, well, it would be a relatively rare bird that would say something evil about the Lord Jesus Christ. But I guarantee you, there are many people who would, who would disagree with his diagnosis of the human heart. There are many people who would take issue with him for saying that this is the nature of the human heart, my friends, let me say this to you. The one who made you and the one who gave himself to redeem you is the one who knows your heart. Amen. Brothers and sisters, do you and do I, do we know our hearts? Am I offended that this description would be applied to me? Am I offended that this description could in any way be applied to my actions and my motivations and my thoughts? Friends, I'm saying to you, this is, the, this is the diagnosis of the Lord Jesus Christ of your heart and my heart. And so you see the matter is very, very serious. And so we've had the, we've had the parable and the, and, the, and the command to hear it. Uh, we've had the parable and the request to explain it. And now I want to present to you the parable once again. But now I want to apply it. If this is the condition of my heart and your heart, what kind of a situation are we in? But you must understand that I would not be preaching the gospel to you if I stopped the sermon at this point. The gospel includes the good news that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, even the chief of sinners. And no matter how vile your heart or my heart is, there is a cleansing fountain that flows from Calvary that will cleanse and save every individual who who makes recourse to that cross, who makes recourse to that Savior, who comes to that Savior, yes, in the brokenness of his own heart, but also with faith looking to the Savior to do all that he's promised to do. And so I ask you the question then, if this is the situation of your heart and of my heart, what are we to do? And again, I would press upon you a passage of scripture. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 31. Having dealt with the nature of man's heart, you know what God says to man? Ezekiel 18, verse 31. Cast away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit for why will you die, O house of Israel? Make you a new heart and it How are we going to do that? How is this wicked heart going to make itself new? And this is what God is placing upon us by way of his demand. You see, this is where the glory, can I say it this way? This is where the genius of the gospel comes in. When a sinner hears the demands of God against his or her soul, and when that sinner realizes that the demand of God cannot be accomplished in my own strength, that's where the gospel begins to open and shine. Because when you understand that you cannot get yourself a clean heart, there is a Savior who comes forth to give you a new heart. This is the very thing that God has promised. And again, what we have to do before we get to the idea of what God is promising, we have to recognize our need for this heart. God says, get a new heart. And I say, how am I going to do that? In a sense, and now you you may reply in one of two ways. You may be offended. How am I going to get a new heart? You just said everything about my heart was this this and that and everything else. And how am I going to get a new heart? I would say to you, my friends, understand the need for a new heart. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, we've already talked about it. I'm going to mention it again. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart of deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Genesis 6, 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you blush and say, yes, Father, that's me? Do you blush and say, Lord God, where can I go? Well, if you do, what I want you to see and what I want you to understand is that God makes provision for you. What's the old hymn? Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord and he will save you, he will save you, he will save you. Now only trust him, only trust him. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ is able to save. I want you to know and understand that by way of the the very design of God, God has designed a new covenant whereby you can get you a new heart. Doesn't sound very good grammatically, but it's wonderfully uh, theologically and spiritually. Yes, you can get a new heart. Where do we see this? Again, Ezekiel 36 verse 26. A new heart will I also give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will take away the, uh, the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Let me ask you the question, is that your desire here this morning? Do you desire this new heart? Do you desire again to be free from that diagnosis that the Lord Jesus Christ gave of my soul and your soul? Well, my friends, if you do, I'm saying to you, this God, this great God, this merciful God, this Savior who gave himself for you on the cross, again, he can give you a new heart. Why do I say that? Because again, our Lord Jesus Christ made this the focus of his teaching, did he not? You remember there he was in in the Gospel of John, John chapter 3. And there came Nicodemus, this man that had everything right from the outside. But he didn't know the depth of of the depravity of his own heart. And the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, unless you're born again, you, Nicodemus, you with all your self-righteousness, you with all your meticulous keeping of the law, you must be born again. I'm saying to you, if a man like Nicodemus needed to be born again, you and I need to be born again. And so our Lord Jesus Christ says to this man, Nicodemus, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Why does the scripture use this terminology of being born again? Because what it wants us to see and understand is that what we are by nature, excuse me, what we are by nature can be made new by Regeneration. And so the Lord Jesus Christ speaks about this wonderful doctrine of regeneration. This new birth. This new beginning. This implanting of the Spirit of God within our soul. This making new the heart that was once defiled. And so the Lord Jesus Christ again speaks and he offers this this wonderful reality of a new heart. In Titus chapter 3 verses 5 through 7, the Apostle Paul says, says this. He saved us not on the basis of the deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration. The washing of regeneration. Didn't our Lord Jesus Christ say that a man has to be born of, 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 of water and of spirit in John 3? Well, this, this, this water is the, is the washing of regeneration. The soul, again, is made clean. The heart is a new heart. And this is, again, why we emphasize all this. Yes, the diagnosis of our, of our hearts by the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a very, it is, it, is, it is a grave, grave diagnosis. No hope for that heart, but great hope for all who will look to the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. And that's why, again, the Apostle Paul says this, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, my friends, where do you get a new heart? You get a new heart by being in Christ. And how are you in Christ? You are in Christ by faith. And so I set before you the, very, the, very, the, the, the whole framework of the gospel message. I don't know how the diagnosis of the Savior sits with you this morning. I don't know if you're offended at Jesus for his diagnosis. I don't know if you're offended at me For maybe in your mind miscasting or mischaracterizing what Jesus said. But my friends, I assure you, I have not mischaracterized him. But if you're here this morning, you understand your great need. I say to you, you have a great savior willing to save. Look to this one and be saved. Look to this one and get a new heart. Well, what about those of us? who all this sounds very familiar to. What about those of us who have heard this message, have responded to this message, and who love this message? What about us? My friends, what I would tell you is this. Those of us who have gone to the Lord Jesus Christ and have received a new heart, you and I must understand that we must, by grace, continue to hold on to this precious Savior That we must, by grace, continue to have our souls renewed by the indwelling power of the Spirit of God. That we must, by grace, look to His Word continually because one of the things that we see on the pages of Scripture is that every genuine child of God still deals with the remaining elements of sin that if you and I are not careful, will draw us back into a world of iniquity. and That's not what we want. And so, what I'm calling all of us here to, who have embraced this gospel message, I'm calling us now to go forward in holiness and sanctification, to take up the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to use His list as a checklist in our daily conduct. Am I plagued by evil thoughts? Am I am I plagued by, by adulterous thoughts? Am I, am, I, am, am, I, am, am I afflicted uh, by uh, these, these murders, these thefts, these covetousness? The whole list here. And you see, when I, if I see these things cropping up, what am I to do? I'm to go to God and apply the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm to take up the shield of faith. I'm to, again, and I, I, I'm to bring to bear all the, of the teaching of the word of God against these things. And again, why am I to do this? Because if I'm not careful, These things will begin to creep back within my life. Now again, the heart is new, but the tendencies of the flesh are still with us. This is really another, this is a a sermon for another time and we'll take that up all in due course. But again, I set before you this one who not only gives a diagnosis of the heart, but I set before you this one who gives a new heart and a clean heart. My friends in Christ Jesus, if you have gotten yourself a new heart, and thank God for it and do all that you can to live in such a way as to strengthen that which God has begun in you by his grace and through his mercy. Let us pray.